So this podcast is with one of the founders of Less Annoying CRM. His name's Tyler King. And I think it's uh, he's got a lot of good insights, particularly in how do you bootstrap a business and have financial success in what uh, you know is a very crowded market. So let me just go ahead and jump right into my notes. He starts off, he says, listen, I'm bad at marketing. So it's good if the name of the company, which is Less Annoying CRM, describes the whole value proposition. I actually think this is a really good idea. And it's weird to me that um, you see this, like it's not as, I don't see this as frequently as, as I would assume to. There's a place right next to my house, a few blocks away from my house. It's really funny. Its name is literally the taco stand. Like there's no ambiguity about what one does if you visit this business. Like you want tacos, you come here. If you don't, then you don't come here. It's, it's rather funny to me. Uh, so Cortland's the host of the Indie Hackers podcast. And this is a quote from him, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he says, the CRM space is not new. It is not unique. There are tons of companies working on various types of CRMs. Yet you have managed to do very well for yourselves. You have bootstrapped, uh, you have bootstrapped to 22,000 paying customers at $10 a month. You've done something well in a well-trodden area. A lot of people think you, you can't get started unless you have a totally unique idea. And the uh, one, I wanted to bring that quote because I, it, it's kind of like an outline of why I think uh, like we can actually learn from Tyler. But I love particularly how he thinks about this idea of risks. He's like, well, yeah, going into a well-trodden area is risky, but so is trying to invent an, a whole new market by yourself. So he says, there is a risk you take by going into an industry that has a lot of competition. That risk is you can't build a better mousetrap. But there's a different type of risk if you go into something brand new, and that is no one even wants it. If I have to pick between those two risks, I trust myself to build a better mousetrap more than I do to create a market that never existed before. I think he's probably right. For the vast majority of people, they'd probably have more success where there's already a uh, demand. Uh, one of the great things about the CRM industry is it is not a winner-take-all market. This allows him to just try, try, try to find uh, like a little niche that no one's really addressing. In his case, just make a very, very simple CRM that doesn't require a computer science degree and make it less annoying. And then you might, you'll find, you know, in his case, the company's doing a couple million dollars a year in revenue. So he says, um, uh, this, so he had, he goes into detail about his experience where he was hired at a failed startup. It raised a lot of venture capital. It grew fast and fired 90% of the employees. So what was the lesson he took from that? He's like, if I ever start my own business, I'm bootstrapping. So venture, raising venture capital was like a non-starter for him. It's one of his constraints. He just didn't like uh, the experience on the other end, not on the investor end, but on the the, the actual people that uh, have to pay for you know these decisions, where you people you know one day have a job and then the next day ninety percent of them don't. That's heartbreaking. So he says, uh, how do you evaluate an idea? He's asked the question, how do you evaluate an idea to know if it's a good one? He says it really helps to have constraints. This is something I believe in too. If you have the whole world of options available, it's almost impossible to pick something. One of my constraints was bootstrapping. There are a lot of businesses that can't work bootstrapping. Therefore, just narrowed his options, made it simpler to, to pick uh, like what what he was going to work on. Uh, he also has advice. Know your weaknesses. I know I can't do sales. This is why we go after small businesses instead of enterprise. He says a lot of the advice he got is, you know, enterprise has all the money, but he's not good at, at, at individual sales. But you don't have to sell one uh, each individual if you're just charging him $10 a month. Um, he says, this is really actually a great idea, but I don't think most people do this. He says, in my personal experience, the best way to come up with an idea is to get a job at a company that is dysfunctional and so and and one where software, uh, software could make it more functional. He says, see it, experience it in person, and fix it. That is what happened for me. I had that experience with a with CR with a CRM, uh, with a CRM from my previous job. 
At my previous job, they put me in charge of setting up Salesforce. I spent a month on it. Uh, he said, I, got, I spent a, a month on it. I have a degree in computer science and I got nowhere. This made me think, what does a company have to do? What does a company do that doesn't have me? Meaning there are a lot of companies with no computer scientists. What do they do? So he just built a very simple CRM. He says, and he talks about, you know, you don't have to have an overcomplicated solution. Most, in many cases, humans will be drawn to the more simple solution. So he's describing his product here. He says, at the end of the day, it's a CRUD app. It is a spreadsheet with a slightly better user interface on top of it. One that makes millions of dollars a year. Isn't that amazing? No one wakes up dreaming of using their CRM. They don't use it for fun. And this is, he's got just a very good, keep in mind, he's been building this business for 10 years. And over this decade, you can clearly see he's just picked up a lot of practical like bits of knowledge. So he said, this is one of them. He says, I think the business world took too much marketing from the social media and video game world. Those are products that people enjoy using. We don't, uh, meaning CRM, uh, we we at at the company says, we don't, this is a tool. It is going to do what the tool is supposed to do and then get out of your way. Um, He was asked, how long did it take before you could fully support yourself from less annoying CRM's revenue and you could quit your jobs because him and his co-founder were both working full-time jobs while they're doing this. He says, two years after launch, we were making $5,000 in monthly reoccurring revenue. They did something very unique here. Instead of quitting our jobs, deciding one of us could quit, uh, we hired someone to work on the business full-time. Why would you do that? He says, we tried to figure out what moves the product ahead the fastest. We decided that having a full-time customer service person would free up more of my time for product. This in turn would make the, uh, make, this in turn would move the product ahead the fastest. It's kind of solving a problem working backwards. I like that idea a lot. Or maybe even working sideways, you could say. We had a two-year stretch where our growth just tanked. We didn't shrink, but, we, but growth stopped. We just weathered the storm and got back on track later. This year, our growth has not been great. We, 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 were, we were shooting for 30% growth. We are only going to grow 20%. It's interesting. He says it's not great. But he says it's not great, but look, look at the way he looks at this. He says that's still fi- at 20% growth. That's still $500,000 in new annual occurring revenue. I'm not mad about that. I like that idea. You know, sometimes we make plans and the plans are just a guess. It's like, yeah, I want to grow 30%. Well, where'd you get that number from? You just made it up. <laughs> Maybe it's realistic, maybe it's not, but I think his approach was just, listen, overall, we, we grew at a smaller percentage, but we're still adding $500,000 to revenue. And most of that could be, you know, pro- very profitable depending on their margins. Like, I'm not going to be upset at that. That's still success. I think that's a very healthy um, mindset. I think of every market. Oh, this is another great idea of his. I really enjoyed this podcast. I think it's probably obvious from what I've been saying so far. I think of every marketing channel as planting seeds. Then the seeds grow into a network of people through word of mouth. Our main way to plant seeds was AdWords. Word of mouth has always been our main channel beyond that. So why would, if, you, if you're if uh, you planting seeds on a paid marketing channel, why would you stop? He says, one lesson I've learned is no marketing channel scales. Even a marketing channel that is working will stop working eventually. And even AdWords, he says, they've, they'd have had to quit three or four times and come back and, and try new things because the growth stops. Uh, so, so that's why they optimize for word of mouth. Now, why would you optimize for word of mouth? One, it's probably, if you have it, the best marketing channel you could ever have. But he said that he has another unique insight here. I really like this guy. He says, the one thing that is not temporary is word of mouth. Not only is it not temporary, but it scales with the size of your customer base, whereas everything else doesn't. Uh, Cortland brings up this idea. He says, one idea that stuck out from, uh, stuck out from reading zero to one um, as a business, you really don't like competition. That doesn't mean you don't enter a crowded market. It means you really need to differentiate yourself from other businesses. You need something where no one else can really compete with you. And so Corlin says that. And then uh, about a minute later, 
Tyler brings up like how does he think about the things that differentiate his business, and he has a really I've never even heard this idea. This idea, like how to arrive. It's called he calls it the thought experiment. So he says this is the thought experiment. He says I try to imagine if private equity firm bought my company and wanted to turn it into a cash cow, what would they do? All the things they would do is our competitive advantage, meaning that he's not going to do that. They lay off most of the customer service people. So Tyler invests heavily in customer service. PE company were like, well, we could knock off a couple of these people and take that their salary and increase it to profit. They'd raise prices. Tyler says, you know, I don't want to. I'm just going to make it super simple because if I raise prices, then I might have to either add features or do more selling, and I want to do either. Uh, they'd stop offering phone support. How many web apps do you use or apps in general that have phone support? Like, that's actually really smart if you can do it. Um, all these things, which no other company is willing to do, is our advantage. Let's keep doing those. And he has another great idea about the combination, the powerful combination of patience and word of mouth. Patience is something we have that no one else has. If you have word of mouth growth, all you have to do is wait. If you have investors, you can't wait. I love this job. I'm making plenty of money personally. So if it takes the rest of my career to get where we want to be, then so be it. And then finally, he has a parting advice to anybody that wants that's interested in building businesses. He says, if anyone is interested in this, meaning building businesses, the only thing you can do is do something. Then you will realize how dumb you were and you'll do it better next time. Sitting around and waiting is never the right answer.